Do you feel politically homeless? Lost in the chaos of modern politics? Not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season three. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the satellite studio of WGNS, located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Joining us today is the new chairman of the Tennessee Democratic Party, Mr. Hendrell Remus. Mr. Remus, welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast. Steve, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for joining us today, Hendrell. I know you've been a busy guy. We have seen you all over the news, all over the internet. Are you holding up okay, Hendrell? Holding up okay. I, I like to tell my wife, you know, if there was a 48-hour return policy on being chair, I, I'm, I'm outside of that period now. Oh, I'm wow. in full chairman mode. <laughs> I, I'm sure you are. And it takes such a commitment from your family as a former candidate. I understand that. And so, so first off, I'll, um, introduce yourself uh, to the people, tell us where you grew, where you're born and raised, and where you grew up, and a little bit about your background. Well, absolutely. I'm originally from Memphis. That's uh, that's hometown for me. I've lived in Nashville now for almost six years. I moved to Nashville to take on a role as a operations manager in the private sector. I ended up leaving the private sector after my wife gave birth to our daughter because for me, it's important to make sure that we had that family work-life balance and. I took on a role in the public sector, uh, working as the Assistant Director of Emergency Management at Tennessee State University. Uh, many people have asked, where'd you find time to be involved with politics uh, and doing all of this? Uh, I actually ran for office when I was 25 years old. Didn't really know a whole lot about politics. Uh, there was an 18-year incumbent in my district who hadn't been challenged in years. And I felt like, you know, hey, if if here's somebody who has not been challenged, so obviously his thinking and his ideas on policies, you know, hadn't been challenged. So I, I spent about a thousand bucks of my own money and I jumped into the race. I learned a whole lot during that election um, about the inner workings and different components of politics. A couple of years later, I got 20% of the vote and a couple of years later, I uh, decided to run for a county commission seat in Shelby County. Uh, got closer to winning that race than I did my first race. And after that, I decided to, you know, kind of take a step back and recalibrate and just to imagine how I could be more helpful and more useful in, in, in the political sphere. So I started uh, uh, crafting these uh, creative traits, uh, graphic designing and video production and audio production. And I purchased my own robocall software and I started helping other candidates uh, as an in-kind contribution, making sure that they had resources, especially those who weren't traditionally well-funded. Uh, so that's what I did in the background politically. Uh, I was the national committee man uh, for the Tennessee Young Democrats representing the state organization on uh, the Young Democrats of America level. I, through there, I was uh, appointed to serve as our representative uh, on the executive Tennessee Democratic Party Executive Committee, and here I am today, the chairman of our state party. Fantastic, uh, Chairman Remus, just fantastic. Let me just say, I've had a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls from listeners of the podcast, 
And, and there is an abundance of hope in, in Tennessee Democrats right now. And, and it's because of you and because of the Tennessee Executive Committee, the Democratic Executive Committee that elected you. It's not lost on native Tennesseans such as yourself, myself, that Andrew Jackson was the founder of the Democratic Party right here in Tennessee. And although that history is something that is not a lot to be proud of, some to be proud of, but the fact that after 200 years, the Democratic Party has elected a man of color that we judge people on their merits and on their capabilities and not on the color of their skin or who they love. And I think that seeing that across the state has really energized a lot of Democrats. So I want to congratulate not only yourself for stepping up, but also the executive committee for making such a wise decision and not being tone deaf in these times. I'm just sorry it took so long to get to this point, Hendrell. I mean, and so let me let me follow this with a question. When you look at folks like Jackie Robinson, you look at the first of men of color, of people of color, there's going to be a lot of pressure on you, Hendrell, and a lot of folks are looking. How do you handle that, and and uh, what are some tricks that maybe folks have advised you to kind of how to take it in stride and, and make sure that you um, obviously represent the party in, in a professional way? Yeah, so obviously when you're the first anything, um, everything you do is scrutinized. Uh, you get credit for the good, and you're definitely going to get credit for the bad. Uh, I, I actually have a really good temperament as it relates to, you know, this calmness about myself. I really don't buckle under pressure uh, much too often. Uh, so for me, it's about making sure that I'm tempering the expectations of people because I don't want folks to think that somehow I was delivered here on a floating cloud. Right, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I'm not here to perform magic tricks. Uh, I'm here to build out a party infrastructure and bring people together so that we can accomplish something bigger than just me, bigger than just our party. Um, for, so it, it's important for us as a party uh, to recognize the historical aspect of what we've been able to do. But then it's also encompassing upon us to make sure that we're not getting lost in this historic uh, moment and being able to actually deliver results for folks across of the state. And that means uh, making sure that we are meeting people where they are, making sure that we're creating a party where everyone, you know, feels welcome. And, you know, I'm committed to that as the first black chair of the Tennessee Democratic Party. It's important for me uh, that we truly represent this big tent that we proclaim to be as a party. Yeah. And, and thanks for that, Hendrill. I think it just gives us so much hope to see that we're finally exercising what we talk about. And it's taken a long time in Tennessee, but now to see it in practice, I think it really energizes a lot of Democrats across the state. Let's talk about that big tent party. I've got a lot of independent and traditional Republican friends, I'll call them, that are very unhappy with the way a lot of the national and local party things are going, and they're looking for a home. Hendrell, do we welcome folks that are leaving the Republican Party and the independents that are starting to look at the Democratic Party? Joe Biden obviously put together one of the broadest coalitions uh, ever assembled in this country, but I think the formula is still the same here in Tennessee. We've got to bring a lot of people together. And so how do we 
welcome these folks into the party? And is the party big enough? Absolutely. Um, the party is definitely big enough. If you're on the fence out there, if you're a Republican who's fed up with the party, if you're an independent uh, who is looking for a, a, a party to call home, then obviously the Tennessee Democratic Party is the party of the people. And what we've seen over the last four years is Republican uh, the Republican Party actually you know, just do itself no justice. Um, they become more extreme and more radical, not just with folks who don't agree with their ideological uh, viewpoints, but with one another. Uh, so we've got to make sure that, you know, I know our policies, you know, skew a little bit farther left than some Republicans would like uh, and even some independents. But when it comes to making sure that we are looking out for people, making sure that everyone is getting a fair shot and an equal opportunity at a prosperous uh, future. And I think that's a message that welcomes everyone. Uh, what here in Tennessee, what's most important is that uh, people should understand that we're going to be doing everything that we can to help uh, rebalance the scale so that everybody is able to actually live a decent life. And it comes down to making sure uh, economically that uh, businesses, small business owners, uh, uh, individuals uh, who aren't making a whole lot, uh, people who are struggling uh, at jobs that don't offer the best benefits and that's got skyrocketing health care costs, that we're fighting to, to level the playing field for, for these people. And if Republicans and independents are looking uh, for a home and a party that aligns with, uh, with that type of thinking, then we're definitely the party for them. Outstanding. I love to hear that. You know, the New York Times recently put out a, a very detailed map. Of, and I'm a numbers guy. i business my whole life, Hendrell. And, and so I look at numbers. And you and I both know elections. That's what you're, you've been a candidate. It's, it's really a math contest. It, it really is about the math. And so the New York Times came out. And when you type in the Rutherford County zip codes, you see that Rutherford County, for, in the presidential election, was one of the biggest flipping counties in the country. In particular, the Case and Lane area, which is where I purchased my first home back in the early 90s, flipped almost 23 points in four years between 2016 and 2020. We had an outstanding candidate uh, in that uh, uh, that Case and Lane area, uh, donated money, but she had it, obviously with the pandemic, had a tough time getting her name out. But there, there's a disconnect, Hendro. There's the disconnect between the folks that voted for Joe Biden and then turned around and voted Republican down ballot. How do we fix that? I know that that's a million dollar question, but but we have to chip away at that, Hendrell. And, and it sounds like we're chipping away at it now. Do you have any suggestions? How do we accelerate that? Or we just keep pounding and working hard? Well, obviously, you know, I've said uh, a number of times, um, as it relates to especially some of the local and legislative district races, you know, it's going to be a longer chip. We're going to be chipping away at it for, for a lot longer than we would, per se, a statewide race. But one of the good thing is it, one of the good things is that, you know, there are signs of life there. We're definitely making steep inroads, not not just minuscule inroads, but steep inroads. And as demographic shift, as population center shift, uh, we'll, we'll do even better. I expect in 2022 that I wouldn't be surprised to, to see us win Rutherford County. Um, and that's going to be our focus, making sure that we put candidates 
in those races, who can resonate with people, who can help us further move the needle in our direction and ultimately uh, flip, flip those flip those counties. Absolutely. And don't forget our friends up in Montgomery County, too. You know, it's Montgomery and Rutherford. We really, you know, are studying those numbers. We see those opportunities there. We've got a we've got a target list of of, of, a, of a good number of them that we think uh, we think we'll be able to have an even better showing in next year. That's fantastic. Uh, Chairman Remus, I know this from 2016 when I ran for Congress. The 4th Congressional District is one of the most gerrymandered districts in all of the United States. We have uh, four television markets, two time zones, uh, over 4,000 square miles. That's a large example, but gerrymandering goes down to the very smallest level, too, for a house rep or could be even for district representation in a local county. We know that the census has been delayed uh, because of the pandemic and probably some mischief from the previous administration. Uh, but we're, there's going to be a short time frame this time between them receiving the, the census results and the redistricting that has to be done. Without going too deep into this, is the Tennessee Democratic Party, are we prepared uh, where it makes sense to if there are terribly gerrymandered districts, are we prepared to fight that aggressively? Absolutely. And I've, I've told I've told people if Georgia was a blueprint for how you organize to win elections, yes. North Carolina is the blueprint for how you fight back against uh, gerrymandering. I yes. think we missed a lot of opportunities a decade ago to really force the needle uh, on the legal side. But let there be no doubt about it. No doubt about it. This go round. Uh, we're going to use every tool at our disposal, including uh, legal actions, to make sure that we don't have some radical or reckless uh, actors determining representation. Um, we want people in those districts determining who represents them. So that's going to be extremely important in collaborating with the House and Senate caucus to make sure that we can lend our weight as necessary in that fight uh, is going to be a top priority of mine. Yeah, outstanding. That's great to hear. We we uh, we looked at it in 2016, a group of folks out of East Tennessee, and we were looking at in excess of $200,000 just in legal cost. And of course, you don't know if you are going to win or lose. Can you fundraise off of that? Will you try to fundraise off of that? If, if well, we're, we're definitely going to try. <laughs> we're definitely going to try. And I think count me in. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to try, and I think we'll be successful at it. Look, I've already got you counted in, so, so yeah, I think yeah, we're going to be right. pretty successful in it. <laughs> and there's a lot more folks of where I come from that will be glad to help, too. So let's move on to talking about these various um, – we're going to touch on the issues just a little bit. I think Democrats have a great message on health care. They have a great message on education. My favorite governor ever – from Tennessee is a West Tennessean. His name was Ned Ned Ray McWhorter. And Ned Ray had a saying that that a good job was the best social program in the world was a good paying job. And so Hendrell, talk about how healthcare leads to economic prosperity, how education leads to economic prosperity. And the point of the Democrats, we, we tend to be looked at some as anti-business. We're not anti-business, are we? We're actually the opposite. We're trying to empower people. Would you agree with that, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I would go farther to say that 
you know, democratic policies help businesses survive at a deeper level. Let's talk about healthcare for, for a second. If yeah. you've got a healthy, uh, a healthy population, then you've got a healthy uh, workforce. I believe my philosophy is simple. Businesses can't do well without having individual employees who can help produce quality services or quality products. The people working for those businesses can't do well if the businesses don't pay a living wage or offer decent benefits so that they can live comfortably and, you know, be able to take care of issues like health care. Education plays into that same bucket. Uh, we've got to make sure that we're fully funding ad- uh, education in an adequate uh, manner so that all of our children have, a, have an equal shot at uh, having the best education so that all of our educators are fairly compensated. Because all of these things are, are tied to together. Uh, you don't have an educated workforce, chances are you're, you're not going to have a good workforce. And some folks, that's acceptable to some people because they figure – if you don't have an educated workforce, then I can I, I can keep paying a seven dollar and twenty five cent an hour minimum wage to this person. If you don't have a healthy workforce, and let and let me reiterate it again: if you don't have a healthy workforce, then you're not going to have people to come in to work for you, or you're going to have call offs when people get sick, or you're going to be uh, drowned in FMLA uh, uh, time off, and, and all of those things. So the two go hand in hand, and we just got to make sure that we're articulating that in a way that it resonates with folks. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I always take the position of uh, uh, I'm a a billionaire from France and I'm looking at investing in Tennessee. And the question, what questions would I ask? Are are the people healthy? Are they educated? Are they reliable? Do they work hard? Does the infrastructure exist for my business, digital and traditional, you know? So I think when we look at that, we... I just I just want the Democrats to really stress that we don't hate business. We're actually for business and um, we have to work hand in hand with the various uh, business folks that are out there uh, to make sure that we move Tennessee forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for that, Hendrill. So a lot of young people got really excited this past election. We had some tremendous, really good turnouts for young people. How do we get young people excited about state government, Andrew? How do we get them to the polls for a house rep race? Well, you know, I've said you've got to make sure that the, the, the party the party can't try to bear the burden alone. You've got to make sure that we're connecting organizations and individuals who have the credibility with these uh, with different segments and different groups of our society. We have to be an empowering and helping to provide them with the resources to help us mobilize. It's just that simple. Uh, if if a 80-year-old guy, and, you know, there's some very, very wise 80-year-old individuals who help guide me, but chances are I'd be more prone to listen to one of my peers say, hey, go out and vote for this guy or come knock on doors or, or volunteer with me. So we just got to make sure – that we are tapping into the right organizations and the right individuals to help us go out and uh, mobilize and engage uh, voters of different demographics, especially young people, because we know uh, millennials are becoming one of the highest voting blocks in our state. And if they begin to fall off the wayside, then politics and the state and voter empathy looks even worse than what it does now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're 47th in the nation in voter participation. 
There's yeah. a whole lot of more votes to be gotten. And if the Democrats play our cards right, I believe that those votes will be votes for us. Absolutely, Hendrell. And we can talk about voter rights if you want to touch on that, because uh, less than 15 years ago, Tennessee was 10th in the nation in voter participation. And now we're almost last. And, and you know, 15 years ago, you know, how, how that trajectory was. Democrats were doing a whole lot whole lot better in the state. Yeah, right. I, I've argued, and I'll, I'll do a sidebar here. I've talked to many <laughs> of my Republican friends that talk about voter ID laws, for example. And I tell them why, that, that I could agree to voter ID laws on a, under one condition. They put a driver's license center in every county in the state of Tennessee so that every person, you don't have to leave your county. We have folks that have to go 80 or 90 miles for an ID right now. That cannot be constitutional. It's not fair. So if the state is willing to put a driver's license center in and make it convenient and easy and free for, for mm-hmm. folks to get an ID, we could probably compromise and meet in the middle on this issue, but the state won't budge because they, they, can't, they say they can't justify the driver's license center and the cost, but don't you think that would benefit the people all the way around? Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping that, you know, with Democrats in control, in Washington right now, I hope that we get some new uh, voter protection laws. Yeah. Uh, I hope that you know same day, you know, whether same day registration across the country or automatic uh, registration at the age of 18, or rolling back some of these reckless policies because we know what uh, the, the yeah. ID. Even yeah. though, even even though I've every time I've voted, I've I've used my ID, you know, just traditionally. Yeah. But we know that that thing's put in place. That law's put in place to oppress to oppress the vote. So. You know, it just makes sense. You should want people voting. If you if you believe that you have the the ideas and the policies that folks that will help benefit folks, then you should want more people voting. But we know that the Republican Party doesn't. So uh, the the objective for them is to suppress the vote. Yeah, absolutely. And they've been extremely successful. I tell my Republican friends all the time that absolute power corrupts absolutely, and a healthy democracy has a strong two party system. And that's why Tennessee is in, obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're talking, we're, we're back to the greatest hits of the Republicans. You know, it must be an election year because we're talking about guns, gods, and gay people. And that's how they gin their base up and not about real issues that will help the people of Tennessee. And I think that if we stick to the fundamentals, Chairman Remus, I think that we're going to continue to see our success grow. Let's talk about Real fast, there is our good friend, Robin Kimbrough Hayes, who ran for United States Senate and a frequent guest on the Man in the Middle podcast and one of my favorite candidates in the state of Tennessee. She had a say, from the hood to the hog. And I love that saying because I've been saying for a long time that folks in the cities and the folks out in the countries, their problems are the same. They don't have health care. They don't have broadband. They can't get jobs into their community because their infrastructure stinks and they didn't carry the, you know, for whatever reason, they can't get the money in there. How do we connect? And then once again, this is a really tough question that everyone's trying to solve, but how do we connect the folks in rural Tennessee and the folks in the city? Well, I, you know, I've said it. I, I grew up in, I grew up in poverty in, in the city. Um, yeah. Since, my, you know, I worked hard and, and now my wife and I are, are middle-class citizens and we live in a, in a suburb. Yeah. Um, I've, I said this when I was running for the chair uh, 
chairmanship because I believe it's important for people to understand this. If you're a single mom struggling in a big city, chances are there's a single mom in a rural town who's facing some of the same struggles. If you are, if you are a recipient of public assistance in Rutherford County, uh, you get that public assistance from the same place that someone in Polk County gets that public assistance from. If you are a uh, LGBTQ kid who is having uh, to hide who you are or who you love in a rural town, uh, there's there because of your, because of the community's faith and the Christian values that are isolating you. There's a young person in a big city who's going through the same thing because they don't want to be bullied or seen as different. Uh, there are so many commonalities that we share. We just haven't done a good job at making sure that that message resonates with people. And we've got to make sure that we're uh, meeting people where they are in a way that allows people from within the communities uh, that they live to be able to voice uh, voice their uh, voice their concerns and tell their story, not only to their community, but also communities that look just like theirs in other parts of the state, and then being able to connect that dot with uh, folks in the urban core and the suburban areas. I, I think we are going to enter a, a, a time in Tennessee Democratic Party politics where our stories are going to move people more than uh, some of the hard, hardest positions that we've taken on policy issues. And that's what our messaging will focus on. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really, really great point. Um, and, and, you know, in these small towns, uh, Rutherford County, where I live, where folks are coming in every day. But out in a lot of these rural towns, the lines are drawn. The Democrat, these folks vote Democrat, these folks vote Republican, and a group of about 200 people in the middle typically decide the election, kind of on a, you know, kind of the way the, the big scale is. Um, so, Andrew, we, I think that's where you talk about finding the right candidate for that area. It, talk about what you're going to look for in candidates and, and uh, you know, what exactly the, the party chair would like to see in candidates coming forward. Well, I, I've said to uh, almost everybody who would listen is that I, um, you know, sometimes a traditional cookie cutter candidate works. You know, this person has been in this profession and they've got this much money and they are, they're able to raise this much money. You know, sometimes that works perfectly fine and we'll continue, you know, welcoming candidates like that. Yeah. But I also want to know, and I'll say it again here, I want to know the mom who's raising the most hell at the school board meeting, because chances are in those smaller areas, everybody in town probably knows that mom. Well, they I want to know the Democratic coach who may have coached a high school football or basketball team and who's yeah. had an impact on students' lives. I want to know those retired principals or those current principals who are having an impact and having to deal uh, with parents and the community and those students on a regular basis, because chances are if we want to register more young folks, that person's probably going to help us get more young folks registered to vote because they've had such an impact on their lives. Yeah. I want to know the people who are ingrained in the community in a way that they can relate to that community. If we can't relate to uh, the people in our communities, especially in rural areas, yeah. if we can't relate, and if those and if those people can't tell the story of that community to that community because 
they truly understand who and what that community is, then we're going to be in big trouble when it comes to uh, recruiting candidates. But at the same time, as a party, we've got to make sure that we have the right training pieces and we're creating a recruitment and training hub that we're not just going out to ask people, hey, run for office. We, when we ask someone to run for office, we want to be able to help them with the resources to be as successful as possible and hopefully win. Yeah, outstanding. Outstanding. So wonderful interview, Chairman Ramos. What can my listeners and my podcast do to help right now? What can we well, do to help? Well, <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. Go over to TNDP.org, find out how you can get involved. Uh, make a contribution because we're going to need it. Uh, sign yeah. up to volunteer. Or, you know, if, 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 if you meet a classmate or a friend or a neighbor or a family member or a co-worker, you know, tell them that the Democratic Party is changing the way we operate in the state. And we need everybody on board if we're going to change, uh, change our state to make it a better place for all of our citizens to live, work, be educated and raise their families. I think we're off to a great start. Chairman Hendrell Remus chair of the Tennessee Democratic Party. Congratulations and thanks for joining us at The Man in the Middle. I can't-